President. We are the proud owners of the universe's first bona fide Cylon detector. Oh, that is great news. Yeah. So, when do we begin? Dr. Baltar would like to start widespread testing as soon as possible, but there are some serious limitations. You can only do one person at a time, and verification takes hours. So who's going to go first? All the tests. Mm. Right. Um, well, I think people in sensitive positions should go first. I completely agree. How about you? Excuse me? If you're a Cylon, I'd like to know. <laughs> if I'm a Cylon, you're really screwed. <laughs> Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. I'm Jason. I'm Red. And today we are discussing Battlestar Galactica episode, or I'm sorry, season one, episode nine. Tie me up, tie me down. Yes, he will. (laughs) So, uh, what'd you think of the episode? I think any episode that involves a MILF slash cougar is the bomb. Not to mention we had some pew-pew in this one. We did have some pew-pew in this one. Have you seen any, uh, seen any good sci-fi this week? No, I can't say as I have, sir. Been pretty busy. Yeah, me too. Haven't, haven't done much. Just caught up on some of the regular episodes that I watch. Although Man, I... I I did watch a YouTube thing last night that I don't know how old the YouTube little thing was. I don't know what you call that. It's not a blog, but it's just like, you know, amateur news reporting type thing. Something yeah. about Tarantino possibly directing, writing and directing a uh, Star yeah. Trek Star yeah. Trek movie that is not going to be in the Kelvin timeline that won't even involve any of the original characters. Really? So I hadn't heard that much about it. Um, he had definitely spoken with J.J. Uh, Abrams and right. uh, had expressed an interest in, in writing and directing a Star Trek movie. I didn't realize it was going to not take place with any of the normal Star Trek characters or be in the new universe. So. Yeah, yeah. they were saying uh, on this, they were saying no Kelvin timeline, no original characters, no references to other shows, but that speculation was that he really digs Klingons. And oh, that it's... Uh, it would be that because supposedly he was approached with the concept of being a part of one of the upcoming Star Wars movies. And he had made uh, made it real clear that Star Wars was okay, but he really was interested in doing something Star Trek. Right, yeah. And it, I'm, full disclosure, I'm a huge Tarantino fan, so... Oh, same here. He also said his stipulation would be that whatever uh, Star Wars or Star Trek would that he would be a part of would have to be rated R. Right, yeah. So I taking don't think... into account Tarantino and his tastes and things, you know, Hateful Eight and everything into account, there's going to have to be something pretty vicious and Klingons or all that. Yeah, 
I don't think Tarantino makes anything that's not rated R. So, what if he has under a nom de plume, and we're just gonna like drop our jaws? Like we'll find out he was actually the creative force behind Finding Nemo. Nah, no. Come on, Uh, no, not gonna happen. You don't think? No, don't think. (laughs) But no, I mean it, it. I know that Tarantino is a a huge movie buff himself. And I think one of his goals in his career is to make a movie that touches on, you know, every major genre of of movie uh, out there. And so he's done his Western, he's done his action films. He's done his kind of horror film. Um, He's uh, done his drama and and his comedy. um, Sounds to me like we need him directing Christopher Walken as a Klingon. Right. So I think uh, sci-fi is is probably one of the genres that he wants to kick into. Now, I don't know why he doesn't just write his own type of sci-fi movie. Oh, he's also done period war films, too. Um, But, and I just, I don't see Tarantino fitting in well with the Star Trek universe. I've got major misgivings on this kind of pair up this this matchup just doesn't seem likely to work but i could be wrong and i mean tarantino is an excellent filmmaker uh i'm sure he's whatever he's gonna are you saying he might be kind of like you know tim burton doing a reboot of when harry met sally you're just not feeling it (laughs) yeah it might it might be something like that but no i I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I'll definitely watch it. I mean, I've seen oh, every yeah. Tarantino movie out there. So I think you own every Tarantino movie out there. Uh, I think I do. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't have Inglorious Bastard yet for whatever reason. You got to be shitting me. But um, digital download that motherfucker. I really should. I just it's one <laughs> of those things where I think I caught it on well, I caught it in the theater and then I caught it on Netflix and for some reason I just didn't get the actual movie. So mm-hmm. what he touches turns to gold, can't lie. Yeah, I mean yeah. And like I said, huge fan, so I will definitely uh consume. He will definitely get my money. Oh yeah. Mine as well. So we didn't see any Quentin in this Battlestar episode. That's true. There was no Quentin. There was some definitely slapstick kind of comedy in this episode, though. I think uh, some of those kind of still pauses that they did. Oh, yeah, like and, they did right after the dinner. Yeah, right uh, after the dinner. And then whenever yeah. they were uh, going back and forth in Baltar's lab. Um, oh, I know, right? That kind of round robin. Uh, Don't you hate it? I yeah. mean, and what I love is that is that um, six the what do you call her again? Imaginary imaginary six. six. She never even bothered getting up from the table. She's just still bent over with her ass bare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Is that, that was... woman? Is it possible? Have you, have you, is it just me, or is Trisha Helfer just? She, it's it's like every scene she's in, she's art. She's living, breathing art. Uh, the woman just has a presence. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely. I mean, you a just want to stop and not say anything. Just 
just drink her in slowly with your eyes. Right, right. Wow. All right. It was a less than dignified position, and it wasn't necessarily pornographic. It just kind of... I, I caught myself, you know, seeing my, my breath season my throat just for that second. I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything she could wear that she would not look stunning in. You know, a pair of greasy overalls, she would, you know, just give her some pearls and she'll be able to go to a dinner. It's just amazing. Right. All right. So we ready for the prog crawl? Mm-hmm. We Let's is ready. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Rosalind stalks Commander Adama on the bridge of the Galactica. Billy and Dee make out at a fly-in movie. Rosalind and Billy share slumber party conspiracy theories. Baltar is interrupted by a Starbuck while adding his own sample to the fluid stores of the ship. Oh, God. Colonel Ty commits a party foul with the last swallow of his whiskey. Apollo plays whack-a-mole with Cylon Raider. Adama finds Ty's better half. Kilo and Not Boomer work on their cardio below Caprica. The Adamas break bread. Rosalind makes Baltar dizzy while Ty and his wife chase the green fairy. Rosalind, Adama, Apollo, and and the Ties share the most awkward dinner party ever. Baltar and Imaginary Six make suspicious googly eyes at Ellen. Ellen stirs the hornet's nest while Ty's pet Cylon Raider breaks the leash. Caprica Six and Doral go for a walk, and Baltar and Imaginary Six hide the truth. You did it with five seconds to spare. Nice. That's what I like to hear. No, that was that was something else. Yeah, that that whole thing with Ellen. Yeah, and she is a huge major character all the way through the series. She's a she's definitely a, a manic character. She's a, she chews up scenery. Uh, she's and men. Yeah, and men. She's. Uh, She's a fan of the D. I, I really hope that she, they develop her character a little more than just, you know, uh, a horn dog. They do. Okay, good. Because I think there's I think there's a lot more to work there, work with there than just, you know, she's trying to hit on everything with a penis. Mm-hmm. And probably a few things that don't have a penis, but Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll agree with you there. No, they they further develop her a whole lot more, and um, it's 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 a good development actually. I think you'll be well pleased. Uh, but yeah, I thought the show itself was kind of nice. It was it was refreshing to have a little bit of campiness involved in the episode. The uh, the stress that we finally are able to start seeing come to a head regarding is Adama a Cylon and. The uh, heavy-handedness of the president, she I think she kind of got a sense that she needs to back off a little bit, especially yeah. there t- towards the end. You know, I mean, she was impeding, you know, what's going on. And she I, I think she's having difficulty in recognizing that, you know, they have the, the, uh, the agreement that she will handle civilian matters and Adama handles military and... She kind of thinks civilian blurs into military whenever it's convenient. 
Right. Whereas well, Adama's Adama's pretty good about keeping it military. I think I, I think uh, they wanted to kind of wrap up that whole uh, suspicion thing that they put into her mind in the last episode. Um, when uh, oh oh my god, what is that Cylon model's name? Um, oh my god. Anyway, Leoben. Yeah, Leoben. When Leoben put uh put it in her head that Adama might be a, a Cylon. Mm. I think they kind of wanted to wrap that up because I don't think there's a whole lot of meat there. I don't think they could have done a whole lot with that. I, sure. I, I'm on the fence on this episode. I mean, it wasn't a bad episode, but I don't think it was a great episode. I think the writing was a little, a, a little weird. Um. Hmm. The, the whole thing with the Cylon Raider that popped in and then popped out and then kept, you know, popping in and out. And then just miraculously, oh, it was just faking this entire time. What was the whole point of that? I didn't. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't sure where that was going or what the whole point of that was. And it wasn't like they stayed on that that Cylon plot point for long enough to really absorb anything going on. there. Right. It well, seemed like they were building up to a big uh a, a big climax that never happened yeah and they do that on several different things in the series you're you're gonna get used to that there's gonna be a couple of what the hells what what why is where is this going you led me down this it's kind of like the winchester mansion <laughs> there are some hallways and staircases that go nowhere oh good um, but yeah, this is one of them. I, I tried to pay a little more attention to it than the first couple of times I watched it when it was on television to see if maybe there was something I didn't see and I didn't find anything. So I'm just going to go with my original deal that the, um, the Raider was able to repair itself. You know, it, it found that it could not jump out and just decided to go on a suicide run. Okay. That, it. that it wasn't that it was indeed on a recon flight. It was it was it was discovered, got damaged, couldn't get out of there. Tried multiple times to get out of there, and just said, "Okay, they're not attacking me. I will scan the fleet and get as much intel as I possibly can while I try and auto repair whatever's wrong with my systems." And then when it decided that the systems could not be repaired for it to complete its mission, it's you know, final protocol is to take out as many humans as it can with fit guys to die. Okay. Yeah, I can because see that. I don't, I'm not sure. Something you also need to realize, though, is um, the Raiders, they reincarnate just like the skin jobs do. Really? Yes. All Cylons reincarnate. All Cylons. Not just the skin jobs. The big oh, shiny was, ones, the vi the fighters, everything reincarnates. If there's a, a base ship, a reincarnation base ship close enough, right? Yeah, but they don't you the that's they got a lot better range. Well, and in the last episode, Leoben was was saying that uh when he was talking with Starbuck, he was just trying to buy time. And how I interpreted that was he was trying to buy time for a base ship to get close enough so that whenever they did eventually kill him, which which they did at the end of the episode, they spaced him, uh, he would be able to, you know, upload and, and reincarnate. 
And see, I don't, I didn't get that at all. My interpretation of that is he was trying to buy time so that he could get more into her head. Oh, okay. He wanted to establish a stronger bond as strong as possible. And see, that's kind of where I'm at with some of this writing is it's really wide open and, and left and left to interpretations that don't really go down the same path. I mean, I I hope the writing tightens up and some of the plot lines are, are tightened because we, we both had totally separate interpretations of the same kind of scenario that would not converge. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to tighten up the way you would like. As I've seen the entire series a couple of times, I don't see you getting that wish. Oh, that's unfortunate. They like leaving themselves multiple outs. This series did not strike me as anything that was put together in advance like JMS did with The Amazing Babylon 5. The uh, it's it's A lot of it's shot from the hip. Well... Um, hopefully that's, that's, it's, it's not too floppy. <laughs> no, I don't think it is, but I mean, some of the things you're picking on, it's kind of like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm being somewhat pedantic. I mean, the, I'm fir- being... the first time you and I sat down and I was, I had been mentioning for years about how I didn't really like, uh, dry wines. And do you right. remember that nice meal that you prepared? So, well, we're going to have. I believe it was a brisket you had made, your first brisket. And you said, we're going to have some wines, and I'll educate you. I'll show you the different ways. And I'm drinking the wine, and I'm getting the flavors, and you were bringing up things that I didn't even notice, you know, hints of oak and and florals and whatnot. I'm like, ugh, grape juice, make me head busy, ugh, oak. <laughs> you know, I mean, your palate is so much more sophisticated when it comes to wines than mine. But I think this is what's going on. I think a lot of what you're catching on these, on these episodes is stuff that most people just, okay, fine, whatever. And they move on. They don't notice the clown in the midst of the sea of normal people. They're like, Oh, there's a clown. That's weird. Move on to the next thing. You're like, no, why is there a clown? And why is the clown wearing that? And why is the clown in that part of the crowd? That's, I just honestly think a lot of it's what most people would not even notice that you're catching. I like storytelling that, that makes sense, I guess sure. is, is what I'm trying to say. And, and some, some of this just doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense why you would spend that much screen time on a Raider that popped in and they need pew pew. Well, They're and that's to great. Keep me interested. That's great. I mean, they could have gone with the Raider pops in. Uh, we did pew pew on it for a little bit. It popped out. We weren't able to uh, get rid of it before it reported our position. So now we have to jump. And are we going to be able to jump on time? Are we going to be able to jump fast enough before, you know, they they uh, jump to our system like they did in, in 33? That was an excellent episode. Oh yeah, it wasn't. It, I mean, the the plot line wasn't super complicated, uh, complicated, but it was 
it was focused. Well, that comes back periodically, but really, that's just kind of the thing. That's their style of writing. And Ambrosia uh, apparently looks like absinthe. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but I didn't see any. I didn't see any sugar cubes. Right. So maybe it tastes better than absinthe. I don't know. I've never had it. Uh, I don't know that I've had any good absinthe, but I've tasted absinthe before, and it's not something I would want to drink ever again. Well, I'm told the reason the Gold Green Fairy came up was because of uh, negative publicity put forth by the wine industry from France. They had a, a blight on the wine on the vineyard for a few years, and everybody switched over to absinthe. Yep. And then uh, people got a taste for it, and so they said, hey, that's bad for you. It'll fuck you up. Here, have some wine. The the crops are better. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, propaganda. Yeah. Ellen definitely shows up. She's like a, she's like a, an older version of six, the way she acts. And can you imagine the two of them at a sorority party? Yeah, she acts a lot like, you know, your stereotypical sorority girl. And I think she could probably outdrink Ty, which is an amazing feat. Oh yes, she can certainly put them back. But yeah, I think she's she's a pretty good character. Um, she gets a lot more heavily developed as the series progresses. Down down an avenue, um, you're probably not even aware of. Really? Yeah, they, there's there's not enough information to even tease you. Because I uh, figured they would uh, they would use her character as sort of a a catalyst to start a whole bunch of shit on the ship as they needed to. Oh, they will. They will. It gets way more soap opery for certain. Ultimately, I think you'll be well pleased with how her character is brought to fruition. But yeah, there's a lot of drama and bullshit that you got to go through before we get there. And we get another scene or a couple scenes with the uh, Elo and not Boomer. Mm-hmm. You could just call her Sharon. Even the Cylons are calling her Sharon now. Well, yeah, but there's a Sharon on the Galactica, too. You can call that one Boomer. But it's not Sharon. <laughs> it's not this Boomer. This is true. They're just both eight. Not Sharon and not Boomer. Sharon and Boomer. Right. Eventually, they're going to have to either have them on the ship together, and that was that would be weird. That would be hard to shoot, I would imagine, to constantly have to double shoot with the same actor. We've already done it. Well, yeah, they've they've done it somewhat, but I mean to constantly have to do that if if they both. If they brought Not Boomer onto the Galactica and they had Boomer and Not Boomer both as characters, regular characters on the Galactica, and if they regularly interacted with one another, that would be kind of a, a hard situation to shoot all the time. Yeah, it would be. But they manage it. Oh, so that's going to happen? No, I'm just saying they manage it. They did it before. Remember when they showed the sixes? Yeah, but that was just for a scene or two. That wasn't... Yeah, I'm just saying they can do it. They can do it. 
But how much effort did it take just to do those those few scenes? Oh, I don't know. Hollywood magic. I have no idea. Now imagine doing that every episode all the time. Okay, I'll do that. Get back to me in an hour. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, that's that's pretty much it. She hits on everybody. And Ty seems to be torn. You can definitely see him wanting to fall back into his old patterns, which is what Adama's very, very upset about. He doesn't want to lose his, his right hand. Yeah, and I think he gives a nice little pep talk at the end, kind of encouraging Ty to keep doing his job and doing it well and ignoring Helen or Ellen. Sorry. Right. And then I think there's also been a little bit more trust established or I, you could say reestablished between Rosalind and Adama there by the end of the episode. And I really kind of enjoyed that little cliffhanger moment because if you recall at the beginning, it was going to take 61 years to get all those tests done. Right, right. And then at the very end, everybody, everybody's going to turn up normal. Yeah, so that was another thing that I, I'm confused about. Why is Baltar holding back the results? Well, I, mean, I don't he, necessarily think there's any results to hold back. I think it's just his way of saying he he wants... He's a weaselly little bastard. No, there are results to hold back. He already knows that Boomer is a Cylon. Yeah, but see, he can use that as uh, a hedge. You know, I mean, the way Six put it, you know, what, what's her program going to do if you reveal to her she's a Cylon? She could break your neck and kill you. Sure. He's all about self. The only thing he cares about more than getting his nut is saving his ass. Yeah, and I can see him holding back the results at that moment. You know, Boomer's sitting there, hey, what are the results? And he doesn't want her to kick the shit out of him. So right, he says, oh, you're, got, you're human. He also has six in his head that's probably telling him things like, well, don't reveal who she is yet. Let's see how this plays out. It's all part of God's plan. Well, we can we can maybe say that might have happened. But we don't know for sure because we haven't seen Imaginary Six tell him that. Mm -hmm. In fact, at the end of this episode, we see Imaginary Six asking what were the real results and then he holding that back from even, you know, his uh, his psychosis. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm still not sure what his what his motivation or what why he's holding back. Well, ultimately, results. it was to make the viewers question whether or not Ellen is a Cylon. Right. But here's the thing, and they'll, they'll get into this in a later episode, but it's going to be established that Adama and Ty have known each other since the first Cylon War. Okay. And he has been with Ellen since the first Cylon War. So if she's a Cylon, that means they've had skin jobs since before even the Cylons have admitted in this show that they started making skin jobs. Oh, yeah, you're right. So how's that possible? Yeah, so if, if Ty... 
been with Ellen since the first Cylon War, then she's yeah. probably not a Cylon because at go. that point they haven't had Cylon skin jobs. Exactly. Okay. Then why wouldn't Baltar just say that? I mean, to imaginary I, I think it's a simple reference to he's a lazy little fucker and he doesn't want to do the work. Okay. That's I, I would accept that as an answer, but what they did in the episode doesn't imply that. It's just no, no, right. But see, a lot of people, like I said, there again, you're picking up on the subtle hints of oak. You're remembering things that most people just, you know, most people view like I drink wine, and they're not remembering this. Sometimes the writing can be a little sloppy. Okay, I guess I'll get over that. Uh, uh, see, that's the thing. You, you, I just find that that's, that's really kind of interesting about your guys. Like you, you, you go on and you expound upon how it's sloppy. It's not adding up. But they said this. Yeah. So what? Yeah. But they said this. Okay. So it has meaning, not necessarily. Then why did they say it? Because they gulp wine. They don't savor it. Well, that's stupid. I understand. <laughs> I think we're approaching a key point in your own perceptions of the world. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it, it's, it might be. Yeah. Just don't, you know, it's, it's like, if you said it, then it's got a point. Not necessarily. I, for one can talk for hours without saying a damn thing. I don't have time for that shit. There you go. <laughs> there it is. But yeah, I honestly think he was, they were just referencing for the viewers that, you cannot depend on, yeah, the Cylon detector works, but there's a really good chance that Baltar's just making himself useful enough to maintain his position of relative safety and comfort on board Galactica, as opposed to being put off to one of the other ships that could be destroyed at any moment's notice. Right. And I think he was a little overwhelmed that <clears throat> at the beginning, he was speaking the truth. Okay, I've, I've done it. This works. And it takes 11 hours minimum to process one sample. And I've got 45,000 plus samples to do. 47 plus. Okay, 47 plus. And yeah, I, I just he's just like, okay, fuck it. Everybody passes. Unless they happen to look like a Cylon. And then look, lo and behold. It's six in a wig. Oh, the test showed it too. You know, I mean, right. Some of the some of the Cylons. Let's just put it this way: they're not going to be able to use the Clark Kent disguise. Yeah, I like her. And a pair of glasses isn't going to cut it. Yeah, I liked her Clark Kent disguise. That was funny. <laughs> and I know that you've said previously that the. Hilo and not Boomer show is just going to continue on in ad infinitum, but not infinitum. They're getting close to being done because them it's just closer. running through the fucking sewers. Not it's closer. I mean, but did you see what I was telling you about last episode uh, referenced at the very end of this one? I can't remember that little short guy Cylon's name. Doral. Doral. Yeah, that's right. Like the cigarette. Doral and yeah, Doral Shorts. Okay, now I'll remember his name. I'll just call him Doral Shorts. <laughs> Doral and Six are talking, and they're both envious 
of the amount of emotion and feeling. Like I said, they're using the humans as a petri dish. The fleet is on the macro level, and you've got Hilo and not Boomer at the micro. And they're trying to figure out how to get their programming so they can truly step forward. And literally, they are wanting to become human. Well, they're I mean, all, they're, they're Cylon, but they want to—they want their humanity as Cylons. Caprica they want Six. To su- they want to supplant humanity. Caprica Six seems to have plenty of emotions. I mean, she just about burst into tears while she was talking with Doral at that point. I think she was reflecting on the relationships or relationship that not Boomer and Hilo were were forming, and I think she was getting all. She's totally envious. She's, she's totally envious, right? But she's never. But with her, it's always an act. It's like she's just about to achieve completion, fruition. She's about to have that climax, and it fades away. Oh, that's she's, the worst. She's never, ever been able to achieve, you know, she has to fake it. Biologically, she's probably more human than most women. But when it comes to the emotional state, she does not know what it's like to truly experience love and or loss. She really doesn't. There's always an apathy. There's a distance. And she wants to try and find a way to bridge that gap. Some of the Cylons feel that way, and others that you have yet to meet are absolutely resentful of the flesh and bone that they've been given. Interesting. They, des- they despise it. In fact, there's there's one Cylon you're really going to enjoy when they bring him up, Skin Job. And he goes on a, on a, on a monologue where he's just... Oh my God, he is just berating the entire concept of flesh and blood Cylons and how he hates that he is what he is. And there is no disagreement amongst him or any of his other versions. They all agree. They absolutely loathe being flesh and bone. Ah. In fact, as I recall, he stated he wanted to know what it was like to feel the solar winds and to smell and taste dark matter. Interesting. Taste and, dark matter. Yeah. You know, it's 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 you know, he he's just like, you know, you can't do it <clears throat> in this skin suit in this sack of blood, you know. What else could they possibly have, 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 you know, what else could we have possibly come up with this? Oh, I don't know, maybe metal. <laughs> he would, oh, the, okay. the guy I'm thinking of, he would much prefer to have been a Cylon Raider. That? Or, or, a, or an actual Centurion. He is not pleased at all. What else you got for this episode? Any other observations? I see the major um, theme of this episode is kind of mistrust. Everybody yeah, mistrusts each other in this in this episode. Yeah, and it's that becomes you know rule of the day. The uh the mistrust in the fleet, and that's exactly, you know, par for the course when you look at the fact that we have people that are looking like human beings in the fleet. So yeah, that's gonna continue. Um 
I would recommend that as people are watching this and they're progressing through to <clears throat> if they do come across any loose ends, you know, any uh, Irish penance for our veterans and serving military that I anticipate will be listening to the podcast, uh, ignore them. The gig line's not always going to be perfect on the uniforms for the Battlestar fleet, but um, in general, always be prepared for the curveball because Ellen is not going to go anywhere anytime soon. And she brings a whole new dynamic. This character brings an entirely new dynamic to the fleet. Best thing to remember is this has all happened before and it will happen again. And the wheel in the sky keeps turning. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, let's get to awards. Who'd you have for your Black Lung Award? Black Lung Award. Uh, you know, I didn't notice that many people smoking. You don't have one? I'm going to give it to that Raider. <laughs> the Raider? Yeah, he was smoking. He smoked a lot. Yeah? He was yeah. venting something. Might not have been smoke. They are biological, <laughs> so it may have been some other excretion. Right. Well, if I had vipers shooting at me, I'd probably be excreting something, too. Right. My Black Lung Award is, is going to uh, Baltar, as okay. uh, you catch him smoking one of those special little cigarillos that he gave Starbuck a while back that I thought was his last one, but apparently he found some more, so. Okay. Uh, my Head Lush Award is going to our newcomer, Ellen. Ellen. Yes, Ellen. Yeah. Who's yours, Ellen? Ellen. All right, so we agree on that one. Uh, she definitely earned it by getting Ty to uh, drink with her, even when he was on duty and didn't want to. And I think uh, I think she probably drank everybody else under the table in this episode. So she definitely gets the head lush award for that. And my player award is also going to go to Ellen because, um, yeah. That's basically all she did this episode was reveal that, in fact, she does exist and that she can drink a lot and that she flirts with everybody. And for this episode, I'd like to add the Tank Tickler Award. <laughs> and I think that needs to go to uh, having his tank tickled, little Apollo, because he definitely had his tank worked over by that long black heel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he did. I'm surprised he didn't pull it out of his ass when she was looking for that shoe. All right. <laughs> All right. So uh, what else you got? Anything else? Well, that'll be it. Just got to stay tuned, watch the next episode, and see how things go. And the next episode is Season 1, Episode 10, The Hand of God. As its fuel supply dwindles, the fleet must seek out a new supply of Tilium ore or risk becomes sitting ducks to any Cylon attack. A recon patrol finds an asteroid fuel full of the fuel, but there's a catch. Cylons have found it first and established a heavily guarded refining plant. So You're going to enjoy that one. <clears throat> there's a lot of pew-pew and flying in that one. That's cool. Be nice. A nice little break from... Uh, constant inside of the ship and uh hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about this magical ortilium well they gotta have it 
Gotta have it. Gotta have it. And, you know, they, they, they don't know how to make water, and apparently they gotta have a rock to provide the adequate power to tell Einstein that, hey, this is how we're gonna fold space. Right, right. So, yeah, that, that makes it interesting. I, I still haven't tried, I, I still haven't been able to figure out how they can do that. You would think a civilization as advanced as this would have gotten beyond requiring a fuel source like that you know a singularity or something seems like it would be a better source of energy you would think I mean, even, yeah. even stargate had those zpms i'm not familiar with the zpm in stargate i, I didn't watch that um, show much either it was think of it as a battery that taps into zero point energy you know how they say you know you've got enough energy inside a glass uh, a coffee cup of water to uh, boil away all the oceans in the earth theoretically oh. yeah there's uh the, this the zero point the tesla energy you know that that magical mystical is just there you just got to tap into it and it's there limitless energy um i'll have to Stargate. read up on that i need to find out what this oh mystical yeah energy source out. is anyway they said that well the zpm they had a limited lifespan but it was took i mean pretty good amount of time before you ran one dry, but that was because the actual materials that created it would degrade after uh, regular use. Eventually, the, it's, the, it's the materials that wear out, not the access to the energy that's limited. Okay. So, um, I guess it'd be kind of like cutting a hole in a membrane and you got to get traversed back and forth through that hole before the membrane seals itself. Oh, okay. Kind of a concept. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, in the Stargate universe, Stargate Atlanta, Stargate universe, they had those ZPM things. And uh, that's how they powered everything. Well, except in Stargate universe, they actually had to skim the photosphere of a star. But even with that, you're getting a lot of freaking energized plasma, <laughs> energized right. gas. That's, that's a lot of good energy there. Just fill up the tank. Right. And even that would make more sense, you know, because there's there's stars all over the place. Oh, we need some gas. Find us a star. Scoop up some fuel or, or a gas giant. Gas but, giant, yeah. You know, we got we got plenty of those in the universe. But no, we need something called tilium. So they got, like uh, dilithium crystals. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and they they referred to that back in the original Battle Stars. Where well, that was the same thing. They needed fuel. They never had a problem with water on the ship, but they did have an issue with limited food stores, and they did have an issue with limited fuel supply on the original series. So the Tillion is definitely an issue. Well, I look forward to picking apart the next episode. I think it'll be good. You'll like it. There's some, there's some neat uh, cinematics with the space flying and everything, and... Uh, Baltar's character, they start weighing pretty heavy on him again. See, I still don't care about Baltar, so they're going to have to, they need to develop that character and make him a little more relatable. I don't know if they're ever going to do that, but they certainly use him a lot. I don't know if he's going to get more developed, but he's going to get lots of use. All right. All right, we're going to wrap up this episode. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. 
If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace.outlook.com. I'm Jason. This is Red. Thank you for listening. All right, have a good one, guys.